I am thankful this morning that there is no sin where the grace of God does not extend. Uh, to offer that forgiveness, what a, what a beautiful old hymn uh, that is, and uh, a beautiful message within itself. If you have your Bibles this morning, if you'll find your way to the book of Jonah. Jonah chapter number 4, as we conclude our uh, series in this uh, book after, I don't believe this is the fifth week uh, that we've been uh, in the book of Jonah, and so just to kind of recap, we know in chapter 1, chapter 2, and chapter 3, where Jonah is instructed um, to go to Nineveh, and in this instruction we find where Jonah uh, decides to go the opposite direction. And so he finds himself down in uh, Tarshish and um, fleeing from God. And uh, we notice that he gets on a boat and trying to run from God. And we know that, you know, the same God uh, that um, was there with Jonah when he called him is the same God that is on the boat headed to Tarshish. He's the same God that's in uh, Nineveh. He's the same God uh, that is everywhere. And so... Jonah could not run from this call, and we find where he was on this ship with a bunch of sinners, uh, pagan worshipers, and um, idolaters, and and how that they themselves even cried out to God, seeking God, wanting to know why this great storm that has arose, why it was there. And uh, they cast lots, the Bible says, and that fell upon Jonah, the man of God of all people. And so they asked him the question, why are you doing this? And of course we know the story where God had prepared this great fish. Some translations say well uh, that from the Hebrew actually means a sea monster. Regardless, it was a large fish. And it swallowed up Jonah. And he says, for three days... Three nights I was in the belly of this great fish. I was in the belly of hell. He cried and repented. He came to himself. And we learned in chapter 2 where oftentimes sin will take us, as the saying is, uh, further than we really want to go. And it's going to cost us more than we want to pay. And it will keep us longer than we want to stay. Three days and three nights in this Uh, acidic stomach of this well and having the seaweed and the dead fish and the the fish's uh, carcasses, if you will, uh, floating around with you. He was coming to to his senses and he cried out to God. He repented. He was spat out on dry land. Chapter 3, a great story in chapter 3, a great event happens here where Jonah went out the second time of his calling uh, where God said go to that great city and proclaim to them unless they repent this is paraphrasing that I will destroy them in 40 days and so Jonah went out and it says that even a day into the journey he began to cry out 40 days and yet Nineveh will be destroyed we find something interesting that happens in chapter 3, where all the people repented. 
All of them repented and the news reached all the way up to the king and the king decreed uh, himself or decreed that no man shall eat, no herd shall our flock, no, nothing should happen but they should rent their clothes and sit in ash cloth. The king himself of all of his royalty and dignity stripped himself of his royalty and sat in ashes. Then we find in chapter 4 something that is very interesting uh, to me because out of all of this, Jonah, the man of God, <laughs> is mad because of the events of chapter 3. Uh, Jonah, who experienced for himself firsthand salvation, firsthand forgiveness, firsthand a time of rededication to God. And we find where he's sitting on a hillside pouting because revival took place. There's a brief interlude here in Jonah 4 about Jonah's life. We know nothing of his uh, past we we uh, before his call we we know nothing about him even after completion of his mission uh, here except for this brief narrative given here in chapter four and so we find in Jonah's pouting after Nineveh repents and so I want us to look at chapter four uh, in its entirety uh, this morning, and we'll begin reading in verse number one. It says, But this was very displeasing to Jonah, and he became angry. And he prayed to the Lord and said, O Lord, is not this what I said while I was still in my own country? That is why I fled to Tarshish at the beginning, for I knew that you are a gracious and merciful God, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love, and relenting from punishment. And now, O oh Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. And the Lord said, It is right for you to be angry? Jonah went out of the city and sat down east of the city and made a booth for himself there. And he sat under it in the shade, waiting to see what would become of the city. And the Lord God appointed a bush, some translation says a gourd, and made it come up over Jonah to give shade over his head to save him from the discomfort. So Jonah was very happy about the bush or the gourd. But when dawn came up the next day, God appointed a worm that attacked the bush so that it was withered. And when the sun rose, God prepared a sultry east wind, and the sun beat down on the head of Jonah, so that he was faint and asked that he might die. He said, It is better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, Is it right for you to be angry about the bush? And he said, Yes, angry enough to die. And the Lord said, You are concerned about the bush, for whence you did not labor, whence you did not grow, it came into being in a night and perished in a night. And should I not be concerned about Nineveh, that great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know their right hand from their left, and also many animals? 
Let's pray. Lord, we're so thankful, God, for your grace this morning as we have sung about and Lord, how we have experienced that amazing grace. Lord, we're thankful for the salvation that you provide to us. And God, we're thankful for Calvary. Lord, I pray that as we look at this final chapter here in the life of Jonah, Lord, help us to not be like Jonah. Lord, help us to have a celebrant heart. Help us to to have a heart of joy when those come to your saving grace. Lord, help us to be a light that shines in such dismal times as these. Lead us to those who are lost without you, God. Lord, as I proclaim your word this morning, I pray that you would hide me behind that precious cross of Calvary. As these dear folk not see me, God, but that they would see you. Speak to our hearts. Save that one that is lost. Bring that one to rededication that may be wandering in sin. Lord, for whatever you do here this morning, we'll be careful to give you all the praise and the honor and the glory. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Isn't this a fascinating chapter? Uh, I could could probably spend two or three weeks just in chapter four. I'm not going to do that to you. Uh, we spent two weeks in chapter three, but um, there is so much here in chapter four that one could uh, could bring out. But I have three very simple points uh, to bring or to to bring to our attention uh, this morning. First of all, I want us to see Jonah and his lack of love for Nineveh. Jonah's lack of love for Nineveh. And this is found in verses one uh, through verse three. And I guess we could pose the question. Why? Why does Jonah not like Nineveh? Why is it that in chapter 4 we find where it says uh, that he had, uh, this was the very reason that he had went back to Tarshish. This was the whole reason that he was going to avoid Nineveh altogether. And there's four reasons that he gives here in this chapter. He says, because God, you are a gracious God. You are merciful, you are slow to anger, and you repent when people turn from their sin. So all of this, bear in mind, Jonah being a prophet of all people, he's saying these four reasons were enough reasons for me, I didn't even want to go to Nineveh. Because you are so merciful, because you are so uh, gracious, because you are so slow to anger, and because if these people repent then I know that you won't do what you said you're going to do. Now we know why he rebelled at God's call. He didn't like the Ninevites. Why was that? Because they were not Jews. They were not as he was. Hmm. How easy is it for us this morning to fall into that sectarianism where somebody's not like us, they're not our color, they're not our race or our ethnicity they're not of our background they're not we had a discussion this morning they're not baptist or they're not methodist or they're not pentecostal or they're not you know whatever they're not rich maybe they're poor maybe they're maybe whatever other characteristic we could find this morning and we find ourselves because they're not like us that i don't want to preach to them (laughs) i don't want to share this love that god has for them I don't want to tell them of Calvary. How easy is it to fall? 
I would like to remind us all of what Paul said in Romans chapter 3, where he said that we are all sinners. He said, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's no difference. I'm thankful that God doesn't see uh, where our credentials lie. Um, I hold credentials in the Southern Baptist Convention. Interestingly enough, as I had mentioned, I also hold credentials in the Methodist Church. I'm dual credentialed, all right. Uh, And there's a story behind that. I can explain it to you later. Uh, But nonetheless, what does it matter? It's not about a name above the door. It's not about what you belong to, but who do you belong to? There's no difference to God. There's no Jew or or Gentile. There's no Greek nor Hebrew. There's no white. There's no black. There's no Latino, Hispanic, whatever it is. You're a person to God. There's no difference. The cross demonstrates God's love for all people. And the ground level, uh, the the ground is um, a level at the foot of the cross that all need to be saved and that all can be saved. His lack of love for none of them. Look at verse 5. Verse 5, we find where he talks about being angry. He said, Jonah went out of the city and sat down east of the city and made a, a booth for himself there. And he sat under it in the shade waiting to see what would become of the city. Jonah gets comfortable. He, his love for pleasure here. He builds his booth there on the east side of the city waiting just watching. Can you imagine? I get the, the uh, I don't know, I'm sure everyone here has, um, given most everyone's age here this morning, we've all seen the Tom and Jerry uh, cartoon, the Looney Tune cartoons, right? And there's a particular Looney Tune, and I don't know the character's name, but nonetheless, there's the sheepdog, and then he watches over the sheep, and, and the coyote that keeps trying to get the sheep, but can't get the sheep because the sheepdog is always on top of a what? He's on top of that hill, and he's always watching those sheep i get that picture of jonah he's probably sitting on this east side of the hill and he's just watching Nineveh, just waiting for them to be destroyed all right that's his whole point that's his whole thing wondering why god hasn't already judged them why god has not already just blown smithereens as we would say waiting for god's judgment wondering why it doesn't fall To think of God's grace that keeps us from his judgment. We sing about that grace that is greater than all our sin. The Lord would not let Jonah get away with this attitude. And so uh, many translations talk about how a gourd, God prepared a, a gourd, some say bush. Nonetheless, it was a type of plant, a tree that grew and it provided a great shade for Jonah. Isn't it amazing how even in our pityness and in our sinfulness, how that God still loves us and God still takes care of us. God prepared this shade for Jonah. Came up overnight. And then we find where the worm that causes this gourd or this tree or plant to die 
And then the east wind blowing on Jonah's bald head at this point. God will not allow him to get away with this attitude. And the thing is, to Jonah, his pleasure, his comfort uh, is more important than the people. Comfort was more important than this whole city being saved. Can I say to you this morning that there are many like him today? That they had rather have their own comforts of life and as long as they're comfortable, it doesn't really matter about everybody else. It doesn't really matter what anyone else is dealing with. It doesn't matter about the struggles of everyone else as long as I am satisfied, as long as I am happy, as long as I am comfortable. His love of pleasure. And again, I call to mind, and we'll look at this in verse 9, where he has his love of self. He, he has a lack of love for Nineveh. He has a love of pleasure and a love of self here. And I am just blown away at Jonah, who, as we have mentioned, has experienced firsthand the grace of God, experience this deliverance of God, experience this forgiveness from God. As a matter of fact, even God in Jonah's wayward way still provided for him. And yet he is sitting here in such pity and has such love for self. Notice what it says in verse 9, but God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the bush? And then he gives this little discord. Of course, Jonah says, yes, I, I'm, I'm angry enough. I just want to die. <laughs> I'm tired of this. I'm tired of you, God, being so gracious to people. Lord forbid, you know, another person gets saved. Lord forbid that a whole city repents. I'm just tired of that. I can't have none of that nonsense. Can you imagine Jonah? I picture Jonah, and I don't take offense to this this morning. I'm going to preface it with that, all right? And I'll, I'll use my own family as an example. I had a grandfather that was always angry, no matter what. He was mad. I call, he was, uh, uh, the, the ideal picture of the angry old man that you always see portrayed in movies, that was him, right? Hated kids. Hated people on his property, didn't want nobody around, just everything just could not suit the man, right? I picture Jonah being like that. The whole city repents, man, why are you doing that, God? Why are you delivering these people? Notice what it says down in verse 9, verse 10. It says, Then the Lord said, You are concerned about the bush for which you did not labor and you did not grow. But you're mad about it. <laughs> you had nothing to do with it. I gave you this for your own comfort while you sat in your little pity party watching the city to see whether or not they would repent. I gave you this for comfort and then... Because of your sinfulness, I also caused it to die. 
and now you're mad at the bush. (laughs) So mad that you would rather just die. Self-pity seems to be one of the respectable sins. One of the sins that brings us to not only despair, but depression. Can you imagine Jonah? You know, I think I would have been calling to mind the whole well episode. You know, if God has already made me stay three days and nights in the belly of a, of a well, and I cried out because I felt like I was in hell then, I think my attitude might would have changed. But Jonah is so depressed, he's so angry that God saved people. And justifying the sin of his anger, he says, I do well to be angry. And why? Why is this? And notice what God says. Look at verse 11. And should I not be concerned, God speaking, about Nineveh, that great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know their right hand from their left? God is saying these people, they don't even know. They don't know the basic functions of life. And yet you had rather them be destroyed just so you can be comfortable. Isn't that a sad reality this morning? That there are many folks just like Jonah. I'll go a step further and say, and I'll say this because I can... I'm not boasting, but I can honestly say this. has been 16 years in the pastoral ministry, 20, 20 years in the preaching ministry. Some of that in evangelism. I've been in a lot of churches in my life, a lot of churches. And I would dare say that there are a lot of Jonah churches. Because we're more concerned about ourselves. And we're more concerned about our dignity and our way of doing things and our name and our, you know, whatever it may be, instead of the people who may not even know their right hand from their left. And we have the one thing that brings hope and comfort not about the preacher it's not about the music it's not about the facility but it's about the word of god and his grace grace that is greater than any sin that we could ever commit grace that is a greater that looks beyond i think uh was it dotty rambo that sang the song he looked beyond my fault aren't you glad of that this morning doesn't matter about our faults But he saw my need, my need for redemption, my need for cleansing, my need for deliverance from sin. God is pleading with the pouting prophet here. 
gives lessons from this gourd and comparison of people and plants. And it's interesting how this chapter ends with God still pleading. He's still pleading with Jonah, and we never know if Jonah ever repented. We don't know if Jonah maybe came to his senses for the second time, you know. But it's interesting how this chapter ends with God still pleading. Can I say to you this morning that even to this day, God is still pleading. He's still pleading. Can you hear him pleading with you? Do you care about the people? What is the priority in our lives? Is it more about success and fame? And There's nothing wrong with being successful. Don't misunderstand me this morning. There's different ways to define success. But are we more concerned about our own priorities in life? Does, does our self rule? Or does the Savior rule in our life? Maybe this morning you are much like this pouting prophet and maybe the old Ebenezer Scrooge, if you will, of modern day where nothing can suit you, nothing brings happiness, nothing brings great joy in your life. Could you hear the, the call of God? is pleading for you to come. We'll extend a hymn of invitation very briefly this morning. It's your opportunity to do business with God. Perhaps it's salvation. Maybe to unite with this church. Maybe a time of rededication. Maybe a time to pray for someone else. Whatever it is, would you come this morning? Jesus is calling.